0: is Chelsea Higgs-Wise, and I decided to start a show about being the biracial girl who was living her life, being half and half, never picking a side until one day the world informed me, girl, you're black. I'm from the... Listening to Race Capital with Chelsea Higgs Wise and Kat Maudlin Jackson. So it's Saturday night and I'm sitting at home. I'm exhausted because I work two jobs and my little sister hasn't come home yet. She's 16, she's out, and I don't know where she is. I think she's out with her friends, but I don't know because her phone is off. The cell phone that I pay for, she didn't have one before, and I wanted to make sure she had a phone. The whole point of her having a cell phone, a nice cell phone, is so I could make sure that she was okay. She's probably in the city, all of her friends are in the city, and I'm back home in the county, in Chesterfield, and I'm worried. I don't know who she's around, I don't know where she could be, and I'm going a little crazy. This is my little sister, I've never really had to parent before, obviously, and now I'm kind of her parent, but I'm still definitely her sister. It's been about six months since she and Austin moved in, my little brother. They are living in Richmond with their parents, my dad and my stepmom, and times just got really hard. So I remember my sister called me and told me that she wanted to move in because our family needed time to get themselves together, to get better, and she needed some space to be a teenager. I had just purchased the house that my family, me and my mom, grew up in. It's 2008 now. I have three bedrooms. Of course, little sister, come stay. At 25 years old, I decided to take in Austin and Asia, my two younger siblings, and that happened in April. Before this, we had grown up separately, but very aware of each other's existence. Austin and I have always been and had this instant connection when we were together. But me and Asia, my baby sister, we were different. I wasn't quite Richmond enough in certain areas with my cheerleader, county vernacular. But even at 25, right now, I'm able to look back and see when I was 16 and realize that maybe we weren't so different. Maybe we're just at different stages. My sister calling and asking to move in meant that Austin would come too. It's just given in their upbringing. They stay together. When they moved in, I had to drive them separately across county and city lines. My sister is in the IB program at Thomas Jefferson, and my little brother was at Maggie Walker. So they needed to get to school and finish this education. They work hard. They got into these programs. It's important that they get to school. But driving them both got to be so much. And so my sister, she moved to Chesterfield after my brother graduated. She hated the idea of going to Chesterfield schools, and for real didn't even go to the school that we were zoned in. But she was flexible to help me and to help everyone. We're all just making this work. About four months after they moved in, Austin goes to William and Mary, and now he hates it. It's hard to hear. We worked so hard to get him there, and now it's just not where Austin needs to be. So it hasn't been great. All of this hasn't been super great. And now it's October. My sister's living with me. It's just me and her. We've been arguing. This hasn't been such a great transition. And I'm just worried how all of this is going to end. Maybe she's staying out on purpose. Is she trying to do this to me? At this moment, I'm just worried about my sister. It's 1 a.m. She's 16 years old. She has no phone. I don't know where she is. This is supposed to be me being responsible right now. I hear a car and she walks. She acts like it's nothing. At this point, I'm super hype. I'm pissed. How could she do that? We start arguing in the foyer. She's too cool to even talk to me. She walks away, goes into her room, tries to slam the door. I was working two jobs just to make sure we were okay, to pay for that phone. I wasn't planning on taking them in and doing all the work to make sure that we were all okay. I didn't expect that at 25. So as she walks away, I follow her. I tell her, give me the phone. I exerted that power over her. At that point, I was pissed, and I just wanted to be responsible. Give me the phone right now, Asia. She looked at me like I was crazy. She says, are you serious? And I said, yes. Yes, Asia, I'm so serious. I can't have anything happen to you. The whole point of this phone, the whole reason I work hard is to make sure that you have a cell phone. I tried to do something cool for you, but this, there has to be a consequence to you staying out this late and not even caring to tell me, to call me and let me know where you know your phone is dead. At this point, I'm hovering over her. Asia, how could you do this to me? She's on the bed. She's so upset. She gives me the phone, and I walk out. And it's not long after that my sister moves out. At this point, my brothers quit William & Mary. He was only there a few weeks. Austin needed to be at home. It was too far. The culture wasn't right. And because our parents were doing better, they had a place. There was somewhere for my siblings to go. And I'm happy that they're back together. I'm just mad I had no idea how to handle any of this. I missed my siblings and understood my freakout wasn't about her. It wasn't about them. I was mad, but if I'm being for real, it was never about her and the cell phone. I think I'm just mad at the system and how, as young people, we have no choice but to be socialized and to learn to survive by the structures around us, whether that's the school system, the work system, our family system. I grew up without my siblings. Then there was this crisis that came up, and we came together. We worked together. But then, just like that, I felt like I lost them again. It was really hard understanding the guardian sibling thing when we really were just a village taking care of each other, and we still are right now. But I understood why it was so hard for my sister, leaving all of her friends, coming to Chesterfield. She was in the IB program there, and because Chesterfield County didn't have that, they actually skipped her grade to graduate early. So all of a sudden now we're looking into colleges when she thought she had one more year of high school. We had just struggled to make sure that Austin went to college and got in there and had all the things for the dorm room. Austin was working a job all summer babysitting something that wasn't Austin's first choice. But again, we were all working where we could because we were barely making it and we needed this to work. So at the time of the fight, my sister was a senior at a new school, a super white space, and because my little sister is RPS influenced and me coming from Chesterfield, there, since, there was some tension. But for real, thank God, my little sister is my best friend today. But at one point, me and my sister just did not see eye to eye because maybe we came from different levels of blackness, different pressures of blackness, how to act, how to be. I wasn't maybe black enough. And once we got to know each other, once we got to hear each other, me and my sister are inseparable. Yeah, we had that hiccup where they had to come stay with me, but I wouldn't take any of our family struggles or journeys back for the world. Austin went to VCU the very next year and graduated. Austin's now getting a master's degree. And as for Asia, yeah, she moved back in with her parents, returned back to RPS, and graduated from Huguenot. And today, Asia's also earning her master's. So this is how our story begins of really taking care of each other. I have to understand and value that the fact that all families look very differently, including mine. We spent those years apart, but truly our history is the same as many. We were no less than 20, maybe 25 miles apart. We didn't even know each other. We had so many different experiences, but now we're so close and I'm excited to have them with me and here today and ready to tell
1: a little bit of our history and a little bit of our story. Today we're going to hear Chelsea and her sister share the story of how they live separate lives across county borders. Their conversation highlights the differences between public school systems in Richmond and Chesterfield and brings to light how a family divided stays united. Chelsea, before we meet your sisters, tell us a little about them. Well, um, Asia
0: is the baby and Austin is the middle child. And Austin has always just been the caretaker, the real one to try and kind of be responsible. Asia has all the personalities, it's a little weird and goofy, but honestly, my sisters are so effing hilarious. And I'm just really excited to have them on. And how do you fit into that dynamic? Ooh, um, so I'm the older one. (laughs) For a long time,
1: I was supposed to be the responsible one. And honestly, now that we're all grown, we play different roles. You and your sister had a rocky relationship when she was living with you, but now you describe her as one of your best friends. Why do you think that shift came about, and how? Just more experiences together, and growing up, and facing the hard
0: times talking about it. Realizing that a lot of the pain that we were both feeling was coming from maybe different places, but we could relate to them. And honestly... Our family is such an amazing model of how to just get through this stuff together and love on each other. That we're just doing what our family taught us.
1: Is there any memory that you have of thinking to yourself, wow, we have come a long way? (laughs) Um, I just look at some of our hairstyles and our eyebrows and think, wow, we've
0: come a long way. But in actuality it's so weird to even have to talk about us not growing up together because it doesn't feel like we haven't always had each other, right? Like we're so close now that even reminiscing on these stories, it's it's like that was so long ago. Now I can't even picture them without being in my space and place all the time and, and my world and energy.
1: Yeah, But for the majority of your childhood, you all never interacted, right?
0: So the majority of our childhood... We spent most of our time when Asia was like four and under, so Austin was six. With Austin being a little bit older, we were able to make more friendships. And then at one point in middle school, I used to go and pick up Austin from Elkhart and sneak him out. We wouldn't tell our parents I just got my driver's license. And I was like, oh, no, I've got i I've got siblings. I want to meet with my siblings and do these things. And so, yeah, I would go and pick up Austin from Elkhart and like kind of sneak off and we would drive away because I felt really cool. I just got my driver's license. Seeing My siblings at Reams Road Elementary School, like kind of finding them, popping up on them. It was always those moments in Richmond because Richmond is so small. People would would bring them up to me or my mom and I would go to where they were living because they might move around a whole lot. So we would have these on and off um, relationships for like maybe months on end and then I wouldn't see them for maybe a year or so. And that's what happens when folks are, you know, have unstable living and and are just doing what they got to do to keep up with their family that it was it was hard.
1: So becoming kind of a sister parent for you marked a pivotal point in your relationship with your siblings.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because, I mean, we we had kind
0: of spent some time together. We had taken some road trips together at, to Atlanta right after Austin graduated. Just the three of you? Yeah. And just the three of us. And that was one of our bigger things that we were doing after we moved in. And I just remember it. It was us intentionally getting to know each other. Yeah, so it it marked a whole new relationship for us. And it was hard doing that when I was also trying to like maintain a household. So that whole sister-parent thing never seemed right. And and moving on past that, we had to really talk about that very specifically. To be like, nah, that whole dynamic is out the window, right? We're, We're siblings. And I didn't have anything. I had no clue what to do. At 25, I was just trying to love on my siblings do the right thing and understand that they had all of the power within them to make it. And they
1: just needed, you know, one more, one more, one more arm from another family member. You know, when siblings have a much older sibling, sometimes that relationship could be described as, oh, well, I was like a mother or a father to you. And you seem like that's not any description you ever want to have put on you.
0: No, I mean, for real, like they, they took care of each other, especially Austin um, and just the way the family dynamic, they they have the those skills. It was just for that time period, right? And that was more situational. And looking back on it too, like we were all working and even our, our parents would come to the house and make sure we were good and, and taking care of the household. It wasn't just like they disappeared, right? They were just working on themselves in a different place, my dad and my stepmom. And so uh, it, it was a moment that we were all... working together just happened to be under my roof this time and that's really something that my family my dad's side has always done and with my uncles and other and aunts it's just it's just a pattern of how we maintain our village to take care of ourselves when we don't see how to do it in the systems there's just not a way to make it in the system that's easy and just survivable
1: yeah. So acting as a guardian to your siblings was a strain on all of you, yet you said you treasure the experience and you wouldn't give it up. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how you think past memories inform present dynamics when it comes to family.
0: Same way that history influences dynamics of community, right? It's like we are a little community where we are a system within ourselves, our families are. And it makes us stronger in the way that we learn each other's triggers and personalities. And we're able to not just hear about the histories and experience that we were there to feel them. So our memories have these feelings that we embody, right? Like we can actually, I can, I can be in the moment when my sister wasn't home and I can feel that in my body that I, the way I felt it that night. And it's not because she was irresponsible or hadn't done it before. She was always out. Like we were free kids. It was just like, in that moment, I was, I had taken on more and the family that I was used to. And that was just a lot. And that's what black women and and our families and Richmonders are feeling all the time. It's just that one extra weight on us that comes in that we're not used to. But being able to channel that in a memory makes us stronger and more empathetic to one another and more patient. And also just seeing the power and how much we can grow in just a few years. Like how we can take one situation and and just being barely making it, and another one. I'm about to watch both both of my siblings graduate with their masters, and be in a group text with them that I can see and talk to them every single day. Walk up in their house because I have a key and take whatever I want out there out the refrigerator. I mean, these are the things that it's hard to remember
1: that we may not have had a big portion of our growing up together. What made you all decide to come on the show? the three of you, and share such intimate details of your family members with our audience.
0: Starting a show, race, capital, and understanding a lot of this is going to come from my voice and my lens, and I'll take accountability for that. I think it's important that people listening understand my history and the dynamics that influence me. And these two people, having my siblings on, would give so much of that. And holding me accountable as well. And also, so when you hear me talking about schools and race and families in Richmond, understanding where I'm coming from. And my siblings are both strong women with strong voices. So they know that coming on is important to share those voices. We understand that advocacy matters, all of us, around addiction, around identity, around health. We are all, all three of us are now in a space where we know that our stories are other people's stories. And hearing this can give people power here in Richmond, knowing that, hey, we have some similar stories. Hey, Black folks that have been pushed out to Chesterfield and Herico and the counties, your stories still matter too. Like you're, you're still a part of what's happening in this Richmond area. And also just showing that we can talk about Richmond and, and the area and space differently, talking about history differently and uplifting our stories. So it's important that I just shared a little bit of me to be vulnerable.
1: All right. Well, up next, we hear from Chelsea and her sisters, Austin and Asia.
2: Woo! And
0: today... The interview I decided to have was one with my two very best friends.
3: Hey. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Yep. Well, that's my little sister, the baby, Asia. And then we have the middle sister, Austin. Hello. And these are my people, y'all. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the show today.
3: Thank you.
0: Thanks for having us. Okay. So why don't you guys, now that they know we're family, why don't you go ahead and tell them a little bit about yourselves?
2: Okay, I'll start. So as Chelsea said, my name is Austin Higgs. I am 28 years old. I have been here in Richmond, Virginia my entire life. And even though it can be super problematic at times, I love being here. And it's honestly been a safe place for me to progress my journey. Um, For those of you who don't know me or can't tell I am transgender and so I feel extremely lucky to be here in Richmond and I'm a grad student and I'm an LGBT advocate.
3: Boom that's my baby sister. No, I'm the baby. Oh dang! Asia. I mean,
0: can I get two
3: babies? No,
0: no, you're right. You are the baby. Okay. Well, up, up next we have the baby sister. <laughs> official, official baby
3: sister. Hey y'all. Um, so I'm Asia, and I am 26 years old. I currently um am a grad student at VCU, and also I am born and raised in Richmond. But I just like my particular. Shout out to Southside because that's just something that has definitely molded me as a person and um, has really just kind of helped create my identity growing up. And, you know, as well, my I feel like Richmond is my safe place. And I just love who I am today because of that. And going to VCU, you have so many people that aren't from the local area. But when I get a chance to tell someone that I'm a native, number mm. one, they're surprised because I feel like so many people want to leave Richmond. But, you know, this was my home and I was able to make, you know, and kind of create my own environment at VCU, but while also bringing me and my Southside side to the campus.
2: Damn.
3: She definitely
0: does.
1: Okay. <laughs>
3: all right. So, y'all, I just wanted
0: to invite you guys on because it's Women's History Month and we are Richmonders and we're making history ourselves. But, I mean, I really believe and I know we all believe in that We have to understand our history to be able to talk about it, too. And, yeah, I think it's really cool, our story. And I want to thank you guys for coming on to share our story with everybody, right? Mm -hmm. We're pretty open about it anyway. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us. I think we all feel like that's important.
3: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely.
0: Just to talk about good, bad, when it hurt, but we're all really together. And that's the important thing is that my village is super strong. Right. So yeah, thank y'all so much. So the show, I like to talk about place, space, and time. So what should we talk about first? Let's go back in time to elementary school. I went to Reims. I had one school. My siblings and I did not grow up together. We share the same father. Uh, and I'm the oldest. And my parents got divorced and separated when I was three. And so I didn't grow up with my dad and my siblings. So our elementary school st- stories are going to be super different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, again, mine was Reims Elementary School. I lived right off of Reims. I can tell you all the teachers I had. It was, it was like my favorite part of school, to be honest. Like, out of all the grades, I could say elementary school was the best for me.
3: How about y'all? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did not have one. Mm. Um, we started off, or at least I started off at Bensley mm-hmm. from kindergarten to second grade. Mm-hmm. And then I would also went to Reims, but that was by way of really being forced to live with our grandparents when our parents were going through their issues. So went to Reims for third and fourth grade. Okay. And let's tell the people. So you're 8 years
0: younger than I am, Asia. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Austin is 6 years. Right. So and you guys are 2 years apart.
3: Exactly. All right. Um and so I went to Reims for third and fourth grade and then I that was after the, my entire fourth grade year, the transportation to from um, cuz we always Austin and I for the most part, we always lived In Richmond, after well, growing up for kindergarten and first grade. We we lived in Chesterfield, but then we had made a move to like Forest Hill, mm-hmm. and kind of like
0: switched to not uh, Forest Hill Westover Hills like that. Yeah 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 school, yeah Westover yeah, over
3: yeah between uh, yeah. so let's the intersection. It, let's of, give a place. Okay, yeah, tell them. Yeah, so yeah. we moved to the intersection of Westover Hills and Jank Road, mm-hmm. and we lived um, in a house there. But I remember still getting rides to Bensley Elementary, and then it just became kind of hard. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we also had was kind of we were. Four forced to live with my grandparents at one point right after that housing. And then I remember then going to to Reams Road Mm -hmm. Elementary. And then I don't Austin is older, so she'll probably, you know, remember a lot more details. But um, I just remember after living with my grandparents for a short amount of time, going back to Southside off of Hall Street, right behind G.H. Reed Elementary and kind of being forced to go there as well due to transportation and kind of us trying to, you know, get back on our feet and and, um, live on our own again. And so... Okay, so let's just... You keep you t- keep talking about our parents. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell a little
0: bit about the because you were forced to live right. with the grandparents? So All just right. tell uh, just a, just a second, just what that what that was.
3: Yeah. So um, Austin and I specifically, we grew up in a household where our parents suffered from substance abuse okay. disorder. Yeah. Um, so
0: that was part of the story and a little bit of why you had to go live with the grandparents. Exactly. I just wanted to fill that exactly. in exactly. And I also just wanted to point out, you know, that our mom was Gina was driving you from jank in westover hills to bensley and chesterfield and where you guys are going and for trying to give you a good education right exactly. i just want to highlight that yeah. in our story so that's just an integral part of even
3: yeah. And it was Gina. It was the neighbor. It was <laughs> my grandparents. It there was a family friend. It was whoever, because we didn't always have reliable transportation. Yeah. So it honestly, it probably was more so dependent on other family and friends than it was Gina mm-hmm. um, driving. And so, you know, just from dealing with that, but she wanted us to, um, her and, you know, our dad wanted us to have a you know, great quality education, but at some point it just became too difficult. And then we did move back to Richmond. Soon after that, we moved south side off of Hall Street. And in a house that my grandma had owned and that my you know all my mom and all of my aunts um had grew up in, we moved back into that household. Mm-hmm. And that was right behind GH Reed Elementary. Mm-hmm. And so just to make it easier kind mm-hmm. of on everybody, it was not anyone's first choice, but again, it was just kind of the more convenient way to have transportation and, and yeah. ensure that I can get to school every day. Right. Um, and so that was my first introduction to Richmond Public Schools. But I did go to G.H. Reed Elementary, and that was my third and final elementary school.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the idea of coming and living in your grandparents' house that used to be owned there, that's just another generational thing of taking care of ourselves and where, you know, if there is living instability, we have to have something in our family. It's thankful that we do that. We can go and live there, right?
3: Absolutely, because everyone had lived there. Right. <laughs> I think, right? Other than our aunt Becky, I mean, she lived there growing up, but yeah. we had lived there twice, I and mean, that, that was our second time living there. Um, our grandparents, so every—it was just—and our aunt Poochie, she lived there with her kids. So it was—I was thankful for at least that one piece mm-hmm. of property that we kind of kept for as long as the mm-hmm. family could, mm-hmm. so that could be our, you know, like our safe space, our backup plan.
0: Yeah. I have so many memories with Austin in that house because she is older. Mm-hmm. And there were times that my mom would come and try and find my dad. And um, that's a whole nother episode. But, uh,
2: and, and we would come and visit. And, I would come and see Austin. Yeah, I remember because I would get so excited when I saw your mom's red car. <laughs> the I Mazda MX3. Because I knew when I saw the red car in the little cul-de-sac, I was like, oh, my big sister's here. <laughs> and I remember you came out and you had blue and red braces.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: <laughs> And so I just remember thinking like, oh, cool. When I get older, I'm going to get blue and red braces. And But yeah, I I distinctly remember those days that your mom would drop you off because growing up, I was told that I had this big sister and like I knew I had a big sister, but then I didn't physically. So that definitely made an impression on me Mm -hmm. growing up. Those times where you would get to come over Mm -hmm. and we all got to hang out. So, yeah.
0: Well, what else? What were kind of your experience? And um, Asia talked a little bit about the elementary school. Anything yeah. you want to add or highlight in those moves?
2: Yeah. So I went to seven different schools, I think, before I graduated high school, and each one of them had their own taste and flavor. And you only went to one high school. I only went to one high school. Yeah, because <laughs> so okay, so that. It, and it's. I mean, it's it's interesting because I went to like a, a an alternative high school, and so. I think once I got into high school where a lot of people have the worst time of their life, Mm -hmm. I was having the best time of my life because I was surrounded by all these people who valued education, being nerdy, kind of not abiding by that stereotype of high school hierarchies where there's like the popular kids and then the dorky kids at the way bottom. And because, I mean, we were all dorky kids and therefore we were (laughs) all popular kids. And so... Oh, Maggie Walker. Oh, Maggie Walker Governor School for Government and International Studies. Because you're a nerd. I'm a nerd. But yeah, I went there because they offer like 11 languages. And my sisters know that foreign languages and communication, it's like my passion. And if I could skip out on having to work a job, anything like that, I would learn languages. No,
0: for real. So Austin and I used to live together and like three years ago Mm -hmm. and just for fun, she'd be sitting in a room, watching YouTube videos, teaching herself German.
2: Yeah. I still <laughs> like, I still do. I know you do. Yeah. Anyway. I yeah, used to do okay. a lingo now. I don't know if we can drop brand names, but uh, I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. At me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you went to Reims until fifth grade. Was that?
2: I only went to Reims for fifth grade. Oh. Yeah. Because, which was, I remember because nine eleven happened. And I remember that was like days before we were enrolled at um reams elementary and i just that whole year was so interesting for me because because i we because we just moved around so much and at reams i kind of felt like i had you're the old like you're the like i felt like i had the most agency at that point while still being in elementary school so i -hmm. definitely remember being so much more self-aware in fifth grade and doing that in a place like reams which was even though it was predominantly white, it kind of was mixed socioeconomically. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that was like the beginning of me really becoming self-aware and how I present at school. So what about
3: race? Mm. I have a specific uh, memory from first Or second grade. Just the FYI, my memory of first and second grade are, it's like all blended because my first grade teacher loved us so much that she took the same class and then became a second grade teacher. So (laughs) now she has messed me up for life Mm because I do not, I cannot differentiate second and first grade. But I remember having a best friend and he was a little Hispanic um, little boy, and then I also had another best friend um, named Rashida. She was a little black girl, and but it was just the three of us. We were always together, and just we re- really were the three amigos. But I remember that I did have a little crush on him. I mean, to me, he was he was cute, and you know, but and everyone, the whole class would see it because we were all inseparable. Mm. And I think we were outside in the hallway, of course, lining up one time, and I think a. a another classmate accused and his name was Brian at the time uh, well his name is Brian um Brian of liking me and Brian poor little confused thing he said um I can't like her she's black and I'm white well Brian won't white but <laughs> that's what he that's what he thought and saw but that was my anything, first anything not to be black, yeah, exactly, and and it was just like a crime, but it didn't make sense to me because I'm like, mm, my mama and daddy are <laughs> black and white, so we can make this love work, Brian, <laughs> but um, but it, it, it him like saying it with that kind of like you know negative tone, I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I don't like you either, Brian. But that was really my first specific memory about race and kind of questioning it, and then still questioning my identity. We're just like, well, you know, my mom and dad, or
0: yeah. So that's the thing I have to remind people is that since we grew up in such a, I mean, our culture, whether it comes to race and sexuality, we're just we grew up different. So realizing that it wasn't
3: my mom's
0: best friend was a white lady with a black. Uh, husband, so my best friend was also mixed, so I was real confused going to
2: other mm-hmm. places and people saw a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, that I don't think I really I knew that I was. Mixed race, it was very, made very apparent to me. I had this one memory of like this color, this book of colors that I used to have. And it would it had like red and blue. And then you, I think they were like transparent, but like color filters. And you'd put them together and it would show you what those two colors make together. And I got to the black and white one. And I remember being like, oh, I know this one. I know the answer to this. <laughs> black and white make brown because I'm brown. And so I put it on uh, together and it was gray. And I was like well, that's weird. And I remember going up to mom and being like positive. I was correct. There was no doubt in my mind. And I was like, look at me. I found an error in a published book. <laughs> mm. And I... I,
3: I, I bet you had that exact thought too. <laughs> yes. I, I
2: was so I was a precocious kid, those of you who don't know. And I remember... Being like, um, Mama, we got to take this book back because this book is wrong. And showing her and I was like, because black and white make brown like me, right? And she was like, well, <laughs> and she had to have the the conversation with me that people are not only are they not literally white and literally black, but people work differently than <laughs> Um, colored, Colors. yeah, colored okay. uh, transparency. So, yeah, oh, a couple lessons. Yeah, a couple, couple lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but That's yeah, so as funny. far as school goes, I just didn't know until I think I got to middle school, which was my first predominantly black school mm. attending, mm. and being called Graham cracker. Oh, okay. Um, because Ooh. I was never heard that. No, I mean, I actually thought it was like I was like, wow, that took a lot of thought. You guys really wanted to like <laughs> make sure I felt that, huh? Like, yeah, wow. Yeah. I definitely heard Oreo. Right. Yeah. All, yeah, absolutely. Those are delicious and cute, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: And I remember also. Um, so the the incidents with Brian with incident with Brian that happened at Bensley Elementary. But I remember the very next school that I went to was Reams Road Elementary. And I remember I did find my kind of my safe zone with my friend, um, Christina, because I don't know how it came up, but I also found out that she was mixed as well. And so we immediately connected, but that kind of introduced me to another, um, I guess something that I never thought about because her dad was actually white and her mom was black. Mm. And then I'm coming from was like, well, you know, my dad's black, my mom's white, but we're still both mixed. So, but it it was the first time that I was like, oh, I didn't know mixed could work like that. You know, white daddy and a black daddy. But right. but we connected on that, and we just kind of she was my best friend. I mean, we really could just kind of talk about it, and and to kind of talk about the the you know the differences or the similarities and the way that we grew we, we grew up. But yeah, she was like she was my safe place and mm-hmm. that. So yeah. So
0: everybody's talking about Russian public schools. Mm-hmm. What's what's your input? What do you all say as? you know, going through and, and talk about a little bit about where you went to
3: school. Okay, so I'll start because because I was introduced to Richmond Public Schools just a little bit earlier than Austin. Again, I went there for a fifth grade and it was it was a culture shock. A hundred percent. You came back
2: differently. <laughs> <laughs> no. I remember no. I specifically remember oh. this transition of Asians and being like Oh, mm-hmm. not only is my sister black, but I think we're both black, like by association, because <laughs> we'd always gone to predominantly white spaces and you just didn't think of yourself like that. But
3: yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so I actually remember, and I, th- I just think it was the reputation, but I remember before even going to GH Reed, before my first day, my mom kind of, kind of warning me or asking me to please not change. Oh, and I didn't know oh, what she man. meant. I was yeah. like, I mean, I did this before I went to first, second, third, grade, fourth. <laughs> you know, like, I'm I'm a pro at school at this point. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so, it, and I... I, I we switched in the middle, or I, at least I switched in the middle of the year, or at least the beginning of the year. So it was, I think it was well after September. It may have been October, or maybe even the end of so- September. But I had already started fifth. My no memory is off. No, yeah, no, it, <laughs> it's absolutely off. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I had started fifth grade at Reims, but then somewhere in the beginning of the year switched over. So I didn't start school on the first day at GH Reed as everyone else. So I came in. Just, you know, as the new girl in the middle of the week, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was, it immediately taught me tough skin because I came in as like the light skinned girl with the long hair. And like I was being attacked for it almost. So people were just like, you know, who is this? And and asking me all these questions. And I told them that I came from, you know, Chesterfield schools. And they were just like, oh, you know, she came from, you know, I don't even know if they, if they knew the word bougie back then, but, oh, you came from one of those, you know, bougie schools or something. And I'm just like... The uppity school, Yeah, the uppity. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know. And I just immediately felt attacked. And I was like, okay, so I know that people are not being, they weren't bullying me per se, but it was, I was definitely not welcomed. Mm-hmm. And, and then from there, I just really kind of learned quickly, you know, the way of the land, basically, of just like if I'm coming in and, you know, these are how people are talking to me, even if I have to fake it till I make, I probably cried in the bathroom mm. after, you know, defending myself because I just, I was not used to that. But I learned very quickly again mm. to say something back and to defend myself. Um So it definitely wasn't a positive experience, at least for the students, but it also wasn't for the teachers as well. Right. So I remember specifically um, I had a fifth grade teacher, and she was teaching long division one time on the board, on the chalkboard. Shout out to chalkboards. Hey. <laughs> R.I.P. Right, right. Throwback yes. there. Um, so, yeah, she was doing long division, and I remember her taking up literally the whole board. The whole, like, stretching across the whole board. And I remember doing it on my paper. And trust me, like, at this point, I was still, until this day, I count on my fingers. And at this point, I was still saying take away instead of subtraction.
0: She (laughs) Yes, to
2: this day. To To, this day. To this
3: day. It's take away. Um, (laughs) So I, by no means, like, was confident in math. But I remember doing the same problem the way that I was taught. In Chesterfield schools, on my paper, and I de- I did long division, but I got to the answer much <laughs> faster and without <laughs> as many symbols <laughs> um, on my paper the Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I remember just raising my hand, and I was like, um, "I got it a, a different way on my paper, but." I got the same answer, you know. So I was, I was just wondering, you know, like what, what is the reason for that, or you know, can you explain that to me? And she I think it with your smart mouth. Mm-hmm. And she immediately, and, and she was an older black woman, a black the teacher, and she, and I think she saw it as a form of like talking back, oh. in a sense. She was like, well. Um, if you know so much, why don't you just come show us? And just, like, threw the chalk in my face, basically. Well, she didn't literally throw it, but she just kind of, like, shoved it in my face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I grabbed the paper, and I went up there on the board, and I sure did get the same answer with less of the work. Mm -hmm. And everyone then just thought, like, the whole class went crazy. Like, I was a genius, basically. (laughs) Oh, girl. Like, I was their savior. (laughs) The math, though? Look at her math. But, again, it wasn't, I wasn't celebrated for for knowing that and kind of teaching this like shortcut way. And and I don't know, maybe there was a reason for her doing it the longest way possible, but still there was a way to say, you know, well, great job. This is the way that I want to, you know, teach it. Mm -hmm. There was a way to say that, but I absolutely did not get that encouragement. And I don't know if I really, as far as doing problem solving, spoke up again as far as that.
0: Yeah. So there's, the school piece, right? And that and identity and schools and shifting. Austin, anything?
2: Yeah. So like I said Culture. before, I, I remember coming into Elkhart, which no longer exists, Elkhart Middle School, even at the time that I attended, was the only open, non-accredited school in Richmond, I believe. I believe. And I just remember begging my parents to let me go to Elkhart, right? And my parents were like, no, absolutely not. and. I knew that there was something behind. They kept saying things like, oh, you won't survive there.
3: <laughs> These small hits. And,
2: and, and like, oh, no, they're going to bully you. And I was like, no, pshaw. And I remember getting there and immediately being called um, Graham Cracker and mm. people yelling That'd be a great foundation color, by the way. Oh, my God. I bet. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I
3: know, right? Picks beauty. Mm. Yeah. Rihanna, fancy, call me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry. No. And I think, though, what's important to kind of say, looking back on it, is that I really do think that my racial treatment uh, growing up was very much informed by my sexuality mm-hmm. and the way that I expressed myself. I was very effeminate. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people knew... I was. I wouldn't say knew before I knew, but the the minute I knew I was game, everyone else did too. Cause like I was, I just, number one, didn't want to hide it. And number two, wasn't good at hiding it
0: anyway. So, Mm -hmm. and also, was there anybody in the, I mean, talk about our family and the ability to kind of be safe in that environment anyway of that just really quickly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Growing up, we had two uncles who were openly gay in the family, and one of them is no longer with us. We actually just lost him this year. And it's. I think that's been really hard for our family, especially because, I'll say for me, I can't speak for my sisters, but he was such... This is my uncle, Click. He was really instrumental. And he and both... And my other uncle, who we all affectionately just call uncle. Mm -hmm. So it's uncle and Click and... They meant, and one of them still does mean because we still we're still lucky enough to have one of our uncles around. We I was so lucky to have them because they were openly gay people in my family who were not only accepted by my family but celebrated and seen as like the social circle of my family. <laughs> yeah, and so looking, even though they weren't rich people at all, I just knew looking up to them that. No matter who I was, that I was going to be successful in in my and I mean successful as in terms like social success and having mm. the 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 support and respect and celebration of my family because they were doing it, and they were openly gay and so I think that I don't know where I would be like we we both know that, and we all know that I came out to our parents when I was seven mm. <laughs> and yeah. they were. I mean, amazingly cool about it. And I think that's mostly due to the fact that they had had a precedent. Mm-hmm. And my uncles blazed the trail for us. So I would love to think that I'm as courageous and brave as a person as I am today. Whatever that is, mm-hmm. you know, is I, I would love to think that that's just inherent in me. But I think that mostly I had role models. I had great role models growing up. And I knew that I could follow in their footsteps at the very least. Yep.
0: Yep. So before we talk about what race and history to you all kind of means in Richmond, is there anything else you want to talk about from, you know, just want to share with the people about us? Uh, we didn't really get to the part. And that's just, it's always great to hear these stories about when we really got together and became so close because we talk about our growing up not together, but these are my best friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm really privileged to be able to have met and not only have a, in my life now in a way that supports my life and feeds into my life i just don't even know i'd be without this family right and the crazy thing is is like i know it's sad to say but i tell people like one of the coolest things i'm kind of glad my mom got divorced like my parents since like that that's so sad to say but like now i have two best friends that's awesome so anything else you want to share with the folks before we talk about or just share with the folks
2: i don't know i think i really enjoy there being three of us as well I don't know. It's something about that number. It's, it's, I mean, there couldn't be more of us. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Oh my God. I <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I just think that having just uh, the two of us, you know, Asia and I grew up for the most part and it was just the two of us. And I think that, I mean, Asia and I are also two years apart. So we were always going to have like, butt heads, like so, most of the time, physically and literally Asia, Asia's a head butter. Um, Asia is a fighter. Asia is a fighter. And shout I was, out
3: to Richmond public school. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> y'all changed her. And I'm the natural <laughs> diplomat. Shout out to Maggie Walker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I always thought it was so funny. I mean, for real, I used to tell folks, I was like, no, Asia is my real black sister. And Austin's
3: like my white brother. Like, it was like I was mean, do y'all see my shirt today? It's pretty great. Half head wrap. <gasps> Half head wrap have Hood Rat. That's <laughs> shout out to Nappy Nerd. She made my shirt. But... Oh, yeah. No, it's a good. So shirt. I can be uh, Erica Badu, but I can also be Cardi B. So right. let's let's just put it okay. out there. It's true, <laughs> and it's
0: why I feel protected in life. <laughs> right. To be honest, because of my little sister, I know Asia is our bouncer. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> okay, so I do like to talk about history. So we've talked about our history a little bit, and thank you for sharing that. What kind of history do you think has influenced you all? Or us as far as like race and maybe even specifically in Richmond.
2: I want to talk about Marsha P. Johnson because we are in a major. Oh my gosh! Don't make me do the math. We're in. A, I think it's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, mm-hmm. and for those of you who don't know, Stonewall was basically the event that happened in New York that began the entire gay rights movement. Mm-hmm. And we had a movie come out as a we as as the community had a movie come out about Stonewall um, not too long ago. And it just was grossly misrepresentative of what actually happened there. And it had we always talk about the moment the, the first brick was thrown at Stonewall. And this was a brick that was. I'll give a brief history if you want of stuff. Real quick. Yeah, okay, great. So the people always need to learn. Okay. Yes. yes. This
0: is this is Black History every day, every month. Go ahead. Yes.
2: So okay. Basically, what happened was the gay community was up in arms about the uh, Judy Garland passing away, and when they, a lot of the people in the LGBT community went out clubbing as their form of mourning or celebrating her life they were raided by the police and this happened a lot and pretty often and there were ways in which we had to pay them off Mm -hmm. pay off the cops and bribe them not to come they They were exploiting you they were exploiting us exactly and i think because of the story goes that this there was already so much mourning because of the passing of this gay like friendly icon that they we just had enough and also i think had Judy Garland not passed there was going to be a breaking point mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it, it just we fought back and so we talk about the moment the first brick was thrown and in the movie it has it being thrown by some young white man when historically the way that the community tells the story it was by Marsha P. Johnson who was this non-binary black femme a performer, just personality. I mean, you could even say that she was a politician, and in a lot of ways. And I think that That's I the, would agree. Yeah,
3: yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Hello. Quick. You want to do a quick history? Um. Shout out. So I really don't have at the moment much to kind of. Really talk about as far as like Richmond's um history, but I did mm-hmm. kind of want to go back to some you know positive things that Richmond Public Schools, you okay, know, did okay, okay. um kind of you know introduce to me. And, th- and there were a lot of positives that once you right. get right. past the initial shock and you just learn to adapt, there there <laughs> there are a lot of positive things. But one of them I remember specifically, and because it wasn't until GH Reed that I even had my first black teacher. Mm. I want to say even seen my first black teacher, but I'll have to think Mm. about that. But I remember, you know, so in fifth grade, we came across Black History Month and it was a direct order from all of our teachers that we had to write a paper on like a famous black inventor or or something, but they gave us a list of who we could not write about. And it would it was all of the popular, you know, people that we hear about, you know, we Oprah, MLK, you know, Jackie Robinson, all of that. So everyone wanted to do Martin Luther King and all of that, but they forced us to okay. look in an okay. encyclopedia. How do you say that word again? Encyclopedia? <laughs> Is that still around? I don't know. But no, they forced uh, us to, you know, Richmond. yes, to learn that. Thinking like, outside of the traditional right. here. That's a privilege. And I remember, and I'm I'm terrible at this, but I forget who it was, but I remember uh, writing a paper on someone that either invented, like, the iron or an iron board, something, mm-hmm. you know, um, relating to that. Okay. But that was, you know, something that I don't even remember even hearing or truly celebrating Black right, History Month right. when I was in Chesterfield, right. you know, county schools.
0: Right. Yeah, and I've talked about that my mom taught at Richmond Public Schools, and the Black National Anthem, right, is just... Some that you just don't also hear in Chesterfield County schools. But so we're going to go ahead and move on to a segment that I ask all of my guests to participate in. And that is
3: what's your privilege?
0: All right, y'all. So what do you want to talk about when it comes to privilege? So
3: one of my privileges and I might be stealing Austins. I don't know. But definitely one of my privileges, I would say, is that although I grew up with parents that did suffer from, you know, substance abuse, I did live in a two-parent home. Mm -hmm. And I've always known that and there may have been times when, you know, one was not around or incarcerated or both. Mm-hmm. But I've always had that support. I've always known what it was like to to be able to go home and wake up to two parents. Mm. Um, and so that has definitely, you know, shaped my lens in so many, you know, different ways. Because, you know, unfortunately, this it, the, it's like a stereotype, but it's also kind of real life of like when I was in Chesterfield schools, a lot of my friends had two parents. But then when I came to Richmond Public Schools, it wasn't the same. And so that kind of opened my eyes immediately to like, yeah, yeah, just just kind of like the culture shock in, 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 in different ways. But until this day, I do recognize that as one of my biggest privileges in my upbringing, because regardless of the way that, I, you know, I had to grow up and that we had to grow up, that never changed until right. this day. They're still very much in love and best friends, and so that has done a lot for me.
2: Beautiful. Yeah. Shout out, mom, Dead. shout out. I would say that my privilege is—I mean, obviously, we're all—we all have the privilege of being light skinned in a world where people, our system, just prefers lighter skin to darker skin. So that, I think that goes without saying. But the thing that I think that I'm the most privileged that. I'm also probably the most um, feel guilty of sometimes is being a transgender person with a super supportive background, just because that is so unheard of in my community. A lot of people, that's their biggest hurdle is being out to their parents or being accepted by their parents. And I'm also about to graduate from grad school. And so I, I think that my privilege comes from the fact that I've been given a certain set of opportunities to make my life more than the statistics that were facing me.
0: Right, right. And I'll just note that I want to say that my privilege is having a dope-ass family. And the support, I mean, just in numbers and self, like the being coming from just me and my mom, like having people. And having group texts and, like, with Aunty and... I was
3: going to say large group (laughs) texts. Like, what's up? crash. Yeah, Yeah. where you can say things and your grandma's in the text, but you don't care (laughs) because everyone's going to laugh it off anyway. I won't say what I said. (laughs) Nah, (laughs) that's (laughs) okay. But having that, yeah, having that privilege to do that Mm -hmm. and to be loved. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, sissies. Well, this has been fun. Say bye to the peoples.
3: Bye, y'all. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Bye to
0: the peoples. <laughs> um, it's so crazy to, because I know the stories and just like hearing the chalkboard one and hearing when you're coming out at seven, I just laugh in my head so hard. So it's really cool that other people get to be into these stories and see a little bit more of our lens and how we see Richmond. So when I'm up here blabbing my mouth, maybe folks can understand and give me a little grace when I need it. or also give me a shout out and tell me when you can relate will right, well, y'all come back, right? Oh,
3: absolutely. Yeah. Right,
0: yeah. Because I can't get guests on so sometimes y'all have to come and, like fill space. Oh,
3: yeah. I mean <laughs> you know,
0: I, I only
2: you. live down the street, so <laughs> okay, and cool. I have no life. <laughs> All right, love y'all. love, love you,
3: you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Hello.
0: What's going on in here? Your ruthless life is stone Hello. To to you I well, that was fun. We know race isn't real because black and white don't always make brown. And we know we have to explain that because of this unreal thing that our spaces, places, and lives can look very differently. Like when my stepmom warned my little sister to not change in this very different space of RPS. We also know that at a very young age, we are taught to seek out race. Blackness specifically. My sister hearing that she was unwanted As a child on the playground, that young, experiencing misogyny, hearing that her black skin isn't wanted from another brown person, that's terrible. Hearing that and reminding her that her blackness is inferior. So what happens when you have an entire school system that looks quote-unquote inferior? Truly inferior in funding, in building structures, in accreditation. But what about when you look that same system in the face, Look at the humans outside the numbers and descriptions on a sheet. You don't see inferiority, you see survival. The survival skills that have encouraged my sisters to be brave, ambitious, and just enough tough love from RPS so we can be adequately prepared for what the world does to us as a people. What an amazing gift that these structures are giving us to teach us how to fight back, how to survive, how to live, We have to get these skills down early, quick in a hurry, because of the unreal reality that faces us every day when our black skin, our black face that doesn't come off, can't be wiped off. When the world has been made to hate us, to hate to see us thrive, but can't hold me down. (laughs) With this small but mighty mic, I want to thank everybody for listening to my history, This Woman History Month for my sister's history, realizing that all of us are making history every single day by sharing our stories, by sharing our truth. We're encouraging others to write these stories down to learn from us so that our descendants, our kids can read our stories and hear this beautiful history of survival, specifically in Richmond, the former capital of the Confederacy. Our black stories must be told across county lines. Our Richmond black stories matter happy women's History Month so I thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next week right here in race capital
2: that's my